Hello, everybody. Welcome to Your Courageous Journey. This is the second installment of Julie and Julie interviewing each other. So I am Julie Farber. And I'm Julie Sickles. And Julie Sickles is in the hot seat today. We're going to find out more about her. I'm just going to jump right into it. Sounds good. All right. So tell me about Julie Sickles. You didn't start out as Julie Sickles. <laughs> no, um, I did not. But tell me about you, like some highlights of your history. Yeah. So I grew up much like you in a middle class family. Um, in fact, we have a lot more in common than just our names. We both have two brothers and one sister that we grew up with. Um, that is true. Yes. We, we are in different order than... In our families. So I had two older brothers and a little sister. And I would I don't know, I was just thinking about your interview and how my experience growing up was different, right? You moved around a lot. And I only lived in three different homes growing up. So I feel like I had... So strange. So strange. <laughs> no, I know. Well, I always think it's weird when people live in one house the whole time growing up. I... Yeah, you know, that is weird. I moved when my last move was when I was 14. And so when I went to high school, I remember a lot of my friends had lived in the same town their whole life in Traverse City, Michigan. And so mm. they kind of knew like everybody. And mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of crazy to me. Our class was huge. We had like 900 kids in our class. So I, I was like, how can is you? that big? It was so big. I don't remember. It was big. It was a big school. We yeah, but but I remember people who like they just knew so many people because they had lived mm -hmm. in that town their entire life and they knew people who knew people and even though there were many different elementary schools that ended up there, they knew most of them. Which I did not. Move yeah, in there I moved there ha halfway through my ninth grade year, and you were a newbie. Yes, and even by the time I graduated, uh, I did not know everybody <laughs> in my class. It's the same as me. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Wait, how old were you when you moved to Traverse City? To Traverse City? I was 14, almost 15. Yeah. Okay. But then that's where you graduated. Mm-hmm. It is. So you were there yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. I was there for three, okay. and a half, three and a half years. It's a good chunk of time. Yeah. It was good. And it was a, it was a good experience moving. Um, you had moved the previous year. And yeah. I remember we found out that we would be relocating just a few months after you had left. And yeah, so you might as well go. There was nothing left for you in Okavis anyway. <laughs> I left. Well, you know, it's so funny. You should say that I was running, I ran across some of my old, like, journal entries and different things. And I actually wrote about it. And I said, like, I don't really think there's a lot for me here. My friend group at the time, um, was kind of beginning to go their separate ways and you had left and mm -hmm. I was ready for something new and fresh. But I've new. also yeah. recognized that that's a part of my personality that I've always appreciated. And that's that I actually really like change. I like variety. Mm. I kind of like new things. I know a lot of people struggle with change. Mm. But for me, I like new stuff. Like, yeah new things. I like meeting new people. Um, so let me ask, okay. do you ever get the itch to like rearrange your furniture? <laughs> you know, it's funny you should say that. I don't feel that so much about my furniture. I mean, I'm okay moving my furniture, but I think I'm a little too lazy to want to reorganize <laughs> and redecorate. Decorating is not my favorite thing. I've gotten better uh -huh. with it over time. Yep. But it's not where my strengths lie in decorating. Mm -hmm. So if I move my furniture, I feel like I have to redecorate. And then I yeah. sometimes start feeling stress. So yeah. a, a lot of times I just leave things the way that they are. But uh -huh. we have that bench that we use as a coffee table in my in our family room. Mm -hmm. And we have yeah. it on little sliders. So if I want things to be different, I always just rearrange, like, what angle yeah. it's at and... Make like, it really and, then that, easy. and that satisfies you. It's enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> but having four children, I feel like it's really hard to keep anything the same at home anyways, right? I walk into a room 10 minutes later and it could go from completely immaculate to completely destroyed. Like, 
My kids you don't like, even need four kids for that. Just one. Just one. I'll do it. <laughs> I know, but they but they get together. And my kids are very crafty, so they pull they pull stuff up. The the other day my daughter came into my bathroom and she's like, I need Q tips and I need cotton balls. And I'm like, Oh, what are you guys doing? We're making houses. I'm like, Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite they get out the glue the glue gun and and they just grab random stuff and they make cool stuff, which is kind of fun. But that's cool. Then I end up with like little pieces of paper all over my floor and all kinds yeah. of. It's always a in a state of flux. It's a party. It's a party. <laughs> yes. So so yeah. So I grew up in Michigan. I grew up um, near Lansing, Michigan, and Okemos, Michigan, mm-hmm. um, and had two homes there. And then moved to Traverse City, where I went to high school um, before I came out west and moved to Utah to go to school. So. I have moved a little bit, but not nearly as much as you. After I finished school, my husband and I moved back to Michigan for him to study. And then he got a job when he graduated in Georgia. So we lived in Georgia for about six years before we ended Mm -hmm. up back here in Utah. So I feel like I've been able to see different parts of the country. And I really have enjoyed and loved that. I, I really like travel. I don't do it as much as I would like. But it's been really fun. Like... From early on in my relationship with my husband, we talked about maybe living in another country someday, and it's just really fun. Like Canada? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is that... Yeah. Anyway. Th- sh- sh- <laughs> that's another country. That's another country. It's not very far away. But it's so- a bu- it is a beautiful country. I've been to Canada. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. Canada's not bad. The one thing I want to point out, it's important for people to know that we have had this plan since we were little. Oh, our, okay. Yeah. Our that story. We, we were going to live in the same house. Well, not just the house. same house. We wanted a mansion and it had yeah. to have two wings. Right. And you were going to live in the left wing and I was going to well, live in the yeah. right wing. With my I don't family. remember it being that specific, but I remember one wing for one and, and one wing other. for the other. Right. Yeah. Because we both were going to get married and have our own families, but we wanted right. to be able to, to be, together. be together. Yes. <laughs> and all this time that we've lived as adults, I think maybe only one or two years have we ever lived in the same state. That's true. And sad. <laughs> but we always see each other and get together. Always. Also true. Um, and have fun adventures like going to New York City together. Oh, we went to New York City together and it was so fun. It was I so don't fun. think we could live in New York City, though. It's too... Oh, that's so funny you should say that. Because when we were there, you kept saying, I could I could imagine myself living here. <laughs> I, I could. I could for a limited amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be fun to see all the seasons there. Mm-hmm. But, like, the fact that you can only see the sun if you look straight up and it's directly above you, it's yeah. kind of sad. Well, and we were there in January and it was cold. Oh, it was so cold. It was cold. I don't ever remember being that cold. Well, I'm a <laughs> California girl. I know. You're not used to the cold. I, I'm like, I'll just layer, right? That's what we do. If it gets cold, just put on more it layers. Was, it was cold. It was well, cold. We had so much fun, right? Walking on the Brooklyn cool. Bridge. I, but I spent 90% of the time not being able to feel my legs. Yeah, we we bought some extra warm stuff while we were there too. Yeah, you bought a really really awesome big scarf. I liked your scarf. I still have it. It's right there. It's right <laughs> and we're here podcasting. Like a, a <laughs> <blanket>. <laughs> How funny! Um, so what I wanted to ask you, we're not going to make this about me. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, does any place? Of the few that you've lived, feel like home more than the others. Mm. <laughs> I don't. Or home, know. home is where your rump rests. Isn't that what Pooba says <laughs> <laughs> from Lion King? It's just wherever you are. I really like where I'm living right now, and I would really like to just be able to say that about wherever I am, wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. but my home right now, you know, I feel like it took a lot of. Uh, mindset shifting to really get to the specific home I'm in and I Mm -hmm. adore my home and I really really love my neighbors and 
kind of my church family that's around. And I just, I feel, yeah, I just feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be at this point in my life. And that's a really good feeling that I haven't always felt. I think it was having that feeling. It was elusive (laughs) for many, 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 many years. So it's, yeah, I feel that. So, yeah. I'm glad you asked that question. I wasn't expecting it, but it was a good question. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So from your childhood, tell me about some like happy memories that you have and maybe like some traditions or something that have kind of like shaped how you are with your family, your own family. Yeah. So I feel like a big thing that I learned from my parents growing up was to work hard and play hard. Mm. And um, I have great parents. I have really awesome parents. They were not perfect by any means, as no parents are perfect. Um, But my mom especially really took the time to make sure that we had fun together as a family. And so we would play games together together. at my first house, we had a pool in our backyard, and we spent a lot of time in the summer swimming. Um, my family's really big into water, so we do, mm-hmm. especially living in Michigan. There's lots of water and lots Lakes. of fun things to do. We had a sailboat that we used to go out on, and we'd go to the beach. And um, every summer, my mom put together this family reunion camp trip with her siblings and we go camping for a week and oftentimes we would do uh canoe trips during that one of well, my you actually guys did white water rafting we too. did white water rafting too yeah which was super fun um but actually my earliest memory julie was when i was three years old you want to hear about it it's so fun yes. so yes. my earliest memory was um I was in in the front of a metal canoe, and if anyone has been canoeing, those metal canoes kind of get really, really warm from the sun beating down, and I was getting drowsy because, you know, you're like rocking in the canoe in the water, and I it had lulled me to sleep. I remember putting my face <laughs> down on the front of the canoe and falling asleep, and the next thing I remember is waking up in ice cold water, the... It was, oh. I, I think it was the Pine River in Michigan, and it's no, it's just Well, anything freezing. in Michigan is freezing. It's freezing cold. So I remember waking up in ice cold water, in this fast moving water, and I remember like opening my eyes and seeing my mom on the riverbank, and she's just calmly like, Julie, just swim over here, you know, and <laughs> that's my earliest memory. And I think about that now, like as a parent and having my three-year-old, like, my mom was just like calm, <laughs> just like no big deal. You woke up in the water. Isn't this a fun adventure? <laughs> <laughs> You're freezing to that. It was it's so okay. it was so like shocking to my system. But then my mom was just there, and I swam over to the riverbank, and you know I had a life jacket on, so I wasn't in any like major danger or anything. But yeah. But yeah, my early life was filled with fun adventures like that, which maybe that's why I like change and fun things because... Your mom is like one of the most chill people I have ever known in my life. Like, I'm sure she gets upset, but I'm sure her upset is just kind of like, well, now, Julie, you shouldn't have done that <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Yeah, my parents... I've never yes. seen her get mad. Well, like- my, pa- my parents don't like conflict, so yeah, it was very much like, like I've never, ever, ever heard my parents swear, ever. Ooh. Yeah. That's something new. <laughs> yeah. I swear a lot. So. so there was a lot of emphasis on like managing your emotional reactions. Like you just, mm-hmm. you did not get out of control emotionally. Like mm-hmm. you just, you handle that. Right. So my parents would get upset. I wouldn't say they're always chill, but. Yeah, but the reactions were pretty chill, I'm sure. Yes. Even if they did get upset. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's true. But also something to be said about your mom. So I was when I was there one of the times over the summer we played. What was it called that we played when we like it was something chess. King's chess, Vikings chess, something like that. Yeah, it's a lawn game. Yes. If you guys ever want to win anything. 
get Julie's mom on your team. <laughs> She's like, good at everything. She is. She is. She's, I think that's maybe one of the reasons why you and I were such good friends because you and her have that whole love of sports yeah. thing very much in common. She loves, mm-hmm. loves, loves sports. I, I don't think she would agree with this, but I always say that if she had been born like 30 years later, she would have been in the WNBA because she – loved oh. basketball so much and she was good she was really yeah. good at basketball she's good at everything she touches <laughs> it she's just good at it she's like, good she's yeah she's good at sports and she loves it and the decade that she was born in was not a good time to be born and love sports yeah she didn't ha- she just didn't have the opportunities but she always did lots of sports with us growing up she I love my parents and my mom always emphasized like being well-rounded and so she introduced us to a lot of sports a lot of music I played a lot of instruments as a child I'm not musical at all anymore that's why I kind of laugh and academics right like do well in school make sure you have music in your life make sure you have physical activity and I appreciate those lessons that she taught me even if they're not always fully in my life in the present. I appreciate those yeah, lessons. That they were a part of your life. Yeah. And I think it just made for <laughs> a well-balanced childhood. Yeah. Like, my That's mom awesome. was very purposeful about her parenting. She doesn't like mm-hmm. me to talk about her growing up years, but she did not have a happy childhood. And she has very much been, you know, an influential figure in changing that and creating so much better for her family. And has inspired me in so many ways to really become who I am today. So I can't, I just can't give my mom enough credit for everything she's done. And I feel bad. Am I leaving out my dad? My dad is awesome. Like when you said chill, most chill person. Your dad is awesome. I'm like, my dad is the most chill person. He really is. He's so just accepting and yeah, and just like loving and it worked well with my mom because he just goes along with the flow, like whatever, yeah. whatever she's up, she, you know, she's creating. He's like, okay, let's go ahead and do he's that. Just, yeah. Yeah. He's just easygoing. He is. He is. You know, your dad reminds me a little bit of, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but me being a, diff- a bunch of different schools, there was always like the quiet kid, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of knew him as like the quiet person know he'd like try to be like inconspicuous yes (laughs) but every once in a while we'd be in class and they would just like chime in and say the most hilarious thing you have ever heard in your life (laughs) and you're like who is that (laughs) that's kind of your dad because most of the time he was pretty quiet yeah but he had a really good sense of humor yes he does yeah and Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny you should say that, too, because he talks about being in high school and how he kind of felt like that. He was kind of Uh quieter and kind of on the outside. And then his senior year, he tried out for the school play. And he was Uh in, I think it was, it's called Our Town. And he was kind of the narrator. And so he was one of, like, the main characters. And it kind of, like, changed everything for the high Mm -hmm. school experience for him to be in the play because everyone knew who he was. And it, it, like, expanded his group of friends and yeah yeah my dad my dad is awesome and he's had so many life experiences but he never like talks a ton about himself or you know he's just Mm -hmm. not self-promoting in that way he's just there and comfortable to be himself which I think is really amazing like I've been actually thinking about this since I interviewed you and for you talking about how you felt very different and um, I realized one thing I appreciate about my parents is they didn't feel the need to fit in with other people, mm. right? Like both of them mm-hmm. also joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as, you know, young people. My mom was 18 and I believe my dad was about 27. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of a whole different culture. But as they work to like learn more and more about their beliefs and kind of grow into it, they didn't lose that sense of being who they were and having that independent streak and that independent spirit. Mm-hmm. And it was okay to be different or to have a different opinion than everyone else at church. Yes. Yes. I love that so much. 
because that was, you know, a lot of me just feeling very weird. But I like weird people. Yeah. Weird is good. It is good. Because then you're not the same. You're not stamped out of a mold. Yeah. You're unique and you have your own unique quirks and features. And I just think that that's really cool. It is. It is. And I think unique is just one of the best words ever. Mm-hmm. We need more uniqueness. Well, I think we just need to recognize our uniqueness, mm-hmm. right? True. I think, that's, I think that's true. That's part- And stop suppressing it. Yeah, because we all mm-hmm. are unique, and I think we need everybody's unique abilities, their unique perspectives, their unique experiences in order to connect. You know, there's ways in which mm-hmm. we're all the same, and there's ways in which we're completely different, and there's overlap mm-hmm. with those things. And as we come to and get to know people and their kind of their unique experience, I think that builds that connection. I, I feel like sometimes we think in order to get along or really connect, we have to be the same. When I think right. it's the opposite. I think we need to be our unique different selves uh-huh. and be able to see and hear and respect and appreciate that uniqueness really helps us to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so awesome. I think it's good to have things in common and to be able to relate to certain things. Yeah. But I think that uniqueness is definitely worth celebrating. Well, tell me, you know, you decided somewhere along the lines to become a therapist. And I'm sure your experiences from childhood had a lot to do with that. So I'd like to hear more about your idea in becoming a therapist, like kind of what shaped that and that journey for you. I think one of the biggest influences that I had was, I guess I thought very deeply about humans and relationships, even from a young age. Like I remember in middle school thinking Mm -hmm. about relationships and thinking about my behavior and how what I was doing was affecting my friends. And I had this friend in seventh grade and I remember her talking to her about the importance of us being honest with each other and sharing how we really feel and I like think about (laughs) that now and I'm like oh my gosh I was such a a nerd and a therapist you were a shrink already I know I kind of was and um but I remember especially in those middle school years but even in high school having friends confide in me and share things about really traumatic things going on in Mm -hmm. their homes with their families and I just remember wanting I don't know should I should I share the story do we have time for the story of my friend in seventh grade so my friend had a pretty chaotic home and she lived in the same neighborhood as I did and one day you know she had told me that her family would get really angry and it would get physical um so one day she showed up on my doorstep and I think it was like November in Michigan which is totally freezing and she didn't even have shoes on her feet oh And I remember she asked if she could use my phone. You know, this was back in the days of phones that plugged into the wall. (laughs) That's not a phone. (laughs) And I had my own phone in my room. Like, I was still connected Mm -hmm. to the family line. But I had my own phone. And she knew that. And she came and she told me that there had been this huge blow up in her family. And one of her family members had tore their phone out of the wall so that... Other people couldn't call the police. And so she was borrowing my phone so that if she needed to call the police, she could. Oh, my gosh. And it just broke my heart. You know, I was just this, Mm -hmm. what, like 13, 12, 13-year-old girl. 12. So young. 12. I know. I was 12. And I remember just feeling so, so, so sad and hopeless about my friend. Like, Like, there's nothing that I can do. To help her and this mm-hmm. is so sad and this is so scary and I could just see how heartbroken she was it was only a week or two later I remember her running up, up to me in school in the halls so I was probably at my locker and her just telling me how I can't remember exactly how she phrased it but the child protective services from the state had gotten wind of some of the things that had been happening mm-hmm. in her home and a social worker had come out to the house and that the social worker had given her her private phone number 
so that she could call that social worker at any time, day or night. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this was even before there were pagers. It was pretty. Right. It was a long time ago. If you were twelve, I was twelve. I would have been like ninety-two. Yeah, it could have been ninety-one. Ninety-one. Yeah. Anyway, it was ninety-one, ninety-two, and I remembered the relief that I felt like in my body was so mm-hmm. tangible, like. She had that resource to go to. she had that resource. And she had Mm -hmm. someone that could do something that could help her. And I remember that that, I I remember saying in my mind, I want to be a social worker someday. I want to be able to help families that are struggling. That's such a profound experience. It was powerful. And it was just clear. It was just clear in my mind. I was... 12 years old and I knew I wanted to be a social worker but I kept it really quiet I didn't tell anyone for a long time I'm jealous of your clarity (laughs) I am because everything has been so unclear to me for a long time yeah yeah I didn't talk about it for a long time. My mom used to have these conversations mm-hmm. at, the, at the dinner table about careers in the future. And she used mm-hmm. to talk a lot about um, choosing a career that you can enjoy doing, but also choosing a career that you can earn good money. She's like, if you're going to have mm-hmm. a career, you should be able to support yourself and support your family. Like, right. if, you ha- if you can choose between two, like, choose the one that you're going to make good money. So she'd always, like, come to the dinner table and be like, hey, I heard about this job. It's kind of cool. And she would talk about it sometimes. And I didn't say I love that. anything about being a social mm-hmm. worker because I knew. Right. <laughs> social <laughs> workers do like, not make good not money. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think... I, I thought for a while, I don't think she's going to support that. And then when I was in ninth grade, she had a friend who had gone to grad school to get mm-hmm. a master's in social work, and she was planning on mm-hmm. becoming a clinical social worker and doing okay. therapy. And I remember her coming to the dinner table and saying, Julie, I think you should become a social worker. And I remember saying to her, I think that's a great idea. And then it was like set. Like everything was yeah. good. And so it all came to happen in a way mm-hmm. that I could accept and my mom could accept and it was good. I was so grateful for that moment. I feel like it was divine, yeah. divine, yes. divine intervention, right? He's like, uh-huh. okay, we're going to get mom on board now. Like this right. is what's going to happen. And um, yeah, it was. I like that. <laughs> it's like, you like, you know, in the movies or whatever, like some stories you'll, you'll hear, like when you're trying to convince somebody of something you know they're not going to be convinced of. But if you can get them to think it was their idea, <laughs> you know. But I didn't do any of the convincing. Once I again, know. that was God. He knew where I needed right. to go in but life. But he knew what she needed yes. to be convinced. Yes. So it's, And she was very cool. thoroughly convinced. And I was super grateful that I didn't have to do any that's of the convincing. Cool. yeah yeah great idea and then you just stick with it yes yes so i'm also jealous of your sticking with things (laughs) well i'm trying something new here julie this is my podcast and i have to say that your persistence has been so inspiring to me you know you've been like telling me things like even if you decide you don't want to do this anymore i'm still doing it and you have the persistence now yeah, somewhat. I have a feeling if you decided not to do it, that it would flop. But <laughs> I don't know. You've I been would very still determined. You've been very determined. Yeah, but our dynamic, I think, is what makes it what it is. I told you before I started that I <laughs> was very nervous about being interviewed myself. I love interviewing other people, but yeah but um, you're out of your comfort zone. out of my comfort zone and so mm-hmm. to have you someone who's known me for over 30 years interviewing me puts me at ease and makes this a thousand times easier that's good i'm glad i uh was when we first started talking about this and you were talking about boundaries i'm like yeah okay boundaries are important <laughs> But I'm a person who I really like to share and mostly for the reason of 
I have gained so much wisdom and healing for just different things that I've experienced from listening to other people share. So this is part of the reason why we're here. I'm kind of the opposite of you. Maybe need more boundaries, which is, I think, <laughs> that's why you and I are like the yin and yang, you know? Ah, that makes sense. Um, oh, fun. But, yeah, sometimes I overshare. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, oh, can I just take all that back and pretend we just pretend I didn't say any of it and you didn't hear it? But That's the um, nice thing about podcasting. We can always go back and edit. So We can delete this whole interview, Julie. <laughs> It's too good, though. I don't want to. <laughs> this is this is fun. Um, okay, so becoming a therapist. Yeah. Um, how? Oh. So let's talk more about that specifically. Like, tell yeah. me about school and. Okay, so um, being raised LDS, I, for some reason, decided. You know, I lived in Michigan. For some reason, I decided I wanted to go to BYU in Provo, Utah. Mm-hmm. And I think I just wanted change, right? Like I said earlier, like one part of my personality is I really like change. And I was like, that would be super fun to go to this place I've never been and to be around a bunch of people I've never seen before and be just in a totally different environment. So I decided, I think it was about the same age, but later in the year, seventh grade, that I wanted to go to BYU and I knew it was kind of tough to get into. Um, So all through high school, I made sure I got super good grades and I applied, and it was the only school I applied to, and I got accepted. And I showed up, and I, like, looked into the social work program, and then they told me about how much, how amazing it was. And I was like, okay, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, and so, yeah, it took me four years to get my bachelor's degree. Um, I then applied to the master's program in social work at BYU, it was an amazing experience. I loved it. It was five semesters. It was a little bit longer than I needed because I had my bachelor's. I only needed a three-semester program because you can get advanced standing. But I feel like the depth of what I got at BYU with the five semesters was just incredible and amazing and exactly where I was supposed to be. I felt a lot like I've had that divine guidance in my life to put me where I need to be. But also I've, through the difficult experiences I've had, um, I feel like I've learned how to rely on my Heavenly Father to guide me and to help me through those hard things. So he showed me where I needed to be and I have been willing to listen. I don't think I would have been a therapist if I hadn't been willing to have that faith and to believe that he knows more what the best journey is for me. I wouldn't be Mm -hmm. here doing this podcast with you right now if I didn't feel like God had a plan for me. Right. Um, You know, I feel like I've spent a lot of my life really other focused and just wanting, feeling compassionate and wanting to help other people, right? Like. Mm -hmm relating empathizing with their pain um and wanting to help and support and the pandemic gave me some time to reconnect with myself and love myself and I feel like it's given me the courage to be able to sit here with you today and to start on this whole new project that Oh my goodness, there's so many skills you have to learn to do a podcast. So many. <laughs> there's so many, so many. Like, we've already had to learn how to build websites and we are figuring out social media stuff. Like, I've mm-hmm. no, I haven't done Instagram before. I'm learning. I'm learning slowly, but but step by step. Yep. And yep. and yeah, I think my my faith is a huge part of who I am. And what I do and why I do it. Well, that leads me to a question. How have you been able to develop your faith? Mm, that is a good question. You know, it kind of started out with seeing my parents' example, right? They joined this church that they didn't know of when they were growing up necessarily. And some of the things that they learned or the way people did things it was different and I watched them as they 
incorporated their own faith, their own belief, their own experiences of like getting answers to prayer. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that started the like the little seed of faith Mm -hmm. Um, because my parents are good people and I look up to them. But when I was in high school, um, I attended a class called seminary that our church does where the high school students meet uh, for sometimes, I I think it was about an hour every morning, and we would study the scriptures together. And it was really at that time in my life, you know, high schools can be awesome and it can be really rough. But as I was actually on my own individually studying the scriptures and praying, I received very specific answers to my prayers and felt very connected to my Heavenly Father. And I knew that he knew me and he understood my situations and that he would be there and guide me. And I feel like there was that moment when I was really, really struggling that I had a choice and I could either get mad at God because there were sad, scary things happening in the world or I could turn to him. And I made the decision Mm -hmm. to turn to him. And I don't know what I would have done. I would have been, I think, lost if I hadn't begun to develop that relationship with him. But I know that Mm -hmm. he knows me and he cares about me and my friends. You know, a lot of my trials at that time were about things that my friends were going through that were really hard. Well, that's hard to watch. It's like you said with your friend, you know, that you felt so helpless. You want to help, but sometimes you just don't have the resources to anything that would help, you know, and it can be really hard to deal with. It was. And so I leaned on that faith and I received comfort and peace at a time where I don't know that I could have found that on my own. I knew that it was something Mm -hmm. outside of me. It wasn't something Mm -hmm. that was already inside of me. Because what was going on inside of me was not peace. Right. Yes. Turmoil. Turmoil and sadness and anguish. I mean, I just was, oh. Lots of things. It was rough. It was hard. So I want to ask you about, because you said you had a choice. You could be mad at God or you could turn to him. So this is maybe more of a therapist question. We can get a little bit of your therapist expertise. Um, Why do you think us as human beings go to the blame mentality? The blame and the hurt and the anger when hard things happen. Hmm. That is a deep question. I put I you on the spot. If you want to pass, you can pass. It's we can always delete can. this too. So. Um, <laughs> why do we go to the hurt and the blame and the anger? I think it's somewhat human nature. I, I don't know. There's lots of answers, I think, to this question. Probably. But I think it's human nature to, like, seek the easy road, Right. Like, okay. mm-hmm. we we as a species, we had to, like, avoid the bad and seek the good in order to survive, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. our brains developed this capacity to have negative kind of stick in our head. Okay. So when bad things happen, it's really easy especially because of our nervous system, right? And the way that our brain and our bodies are wired for us to go into this fight or flight response. And I'll I'll be talking about this probably a lot on the podcast. But when our nervous system is activated into that sympathetic response and we go into that fight or flight, our kind of Mm -hmm. higher functioning human brain kind of shuts down. And so we don't think through things clearly. We don't think about, like, cause and effect. We don't think about consequences. 
our reaction is to fight or to flee. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about when you talk about the anger and the blame. Um, it's a way to mm-hmm. fight against or to run away from the things that are happening to us. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but unfortunately, running away from or fighting against reality is what really causes us pain. You know what that makes me think of when you see it, like they have, there's videos for everything all over the like social media and stuff, but I've been seeing some in the, I would say, I would say just this year of animals. And I think many people have either seen this or seen videos, experienced it in some way of animals who have gotten themselves into some kind of crazy predicament, sometimes life-threatening. And there's a person who's trying to help them, who's trying to help them. Yeah. And they have that instinct of fight or flight. Right. Mm -hmm. So the person who's trying to help them is either going to get attacked and hurt or the animal is going to try and run Run away away. and get more hurt in the process because, you know, they're in whatever situation that they can't get themselves out of. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I guess what you're explaining kind of makes, makes me think of that. Mm-hmm. It's a good analogy because it is that mammal part of our brain that mm-hmm. kicks in when we have that fight or flight response. And it's true. Like mm-hmm. when you look at the animals, you're like, but we're trying to help. Just be calm. Just cooperate. Let us help. <laughs> don't spray me, skunk, with a can <laughs> on your head. <laughs> I love that story. Um, <laughs> yeah. and And so... It, but it's the same thing for us. Like when we can learn to understand that when we can learn to calm, how do, how we can calm our nervous system down, then we can mm-hmm. access this other place that allows us to tap into our resources, to tap into our logic, to tap into our problem solving. And mm-hmm. it can allow us to access supports around us rather than view everyone as being threatening or blaming them. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's it's a lot about trying to get out of the victim mentality. I think we mm-hmm. it's so, so easy to see ourselves as a victim to the circumstances around us. But whenever we do that, we give all of our power away. We don't have any mm-hmm. power to act in our lives if we say everything that's happening is all someone that's else's true. fault. That's true. I've experienced so much that shift in power. <laughs> but the beautiful thing about it is we actually can control it. It's just a matter of whether or not we tap into those resources that we have available to us. Yeah. Or if we rely on our own strength. Right. Which for myself is pretty weak. Well, it's <laughs> so, also about learning and practicing. You know, we I, right. I like to talk about um, neuroplasticity and how our brain is changing. You know, if you talk mm-hmm. to neuroscientists from, you know, 30 to 40 years ago, they thought you got to a certain age and that your brain was the way it was. And if you had a traumatic brain injury, you were just kind of stuck. And now we totally understand how neurons that fire together, wire together, and how when we practice new skills, whether that's a physical skill like dribbling a basketball or practicing a skill like learning how to to use problem solving steps we create Mm -hmm. a new road a new path in our brain that it's able (laughs) to follow that's true i just laugh because i just think about just your reference to all of the things you have to learn to create a podcast (laughs) yes we've been creating a lot of new neural pathways in our brain oh so many (laughs) my brain's like no more (laughs) There, there's plenty more. We have lots more we have to figure oh, out. Oh, yes. It's just the beginning. It is. But it's been such a fun journey. Yeah, it has. It's been fun and scary. Yes, for sure. So for with sure. that in mind, tell me about some of your goals. Maybe okay. as far as just life. Okay. Or the podcast or both. So I, I would say probably one of my biggest goals or kind of my philosophy of life is that I'm on a journey to learn and grow and progress and to get better. Mm -hmm. So 
my goal, to put it simply, my goal is to have goals. My goal is to move forward. <laughs> there you go. Right? Like, yeah. I feel like, I like it. if I'm not moving forward, I am not happy. So I always okay. want to have something like that carrot dangling in front of me. So I want to move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. And so, uh-huh. so I have all kinds of different goals, whether it's a spiritual goal or a financial goal for my family or so many goals for our podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I personally want to always be striving, learning, growing, and improving. And as a therapist, I'm always wanting to learn new things and learn new ways to do things and new ways to apply things. Um, and I don't know, the last few years have been amazing. I've really, really delved into personal development in a major way uh, the last, has it been four and a half years? Has it been that long? The very beginning of 2017. Because you were into it for a little bit before you invited me to come to one of the seminars. It was was the very beginning of 2017. So yeah, Mm -hmm. about four and a half years, right? If I'm doing my math right. I'm a therapist. Um, I don't do math. (laughs) Time. (laughs) Right. I am not a therapist and I also don't do math. Oh, my goodness. So... Yes. So personal development has been huge for me. Um, But another thing that's really important to me and always has been is I just care about people. And I, I want to be able to make a difference, whether that's small or large. Um, I feel so blessed to be in the job that I'm in. I'm so happy to go to work. Every day that I go to work, I'm just like, I love it. I come home and I'm just happy. Um, And that's something I'm really, really excited for with this podcast is I want to be able to share things that are going to, big or small, be able to influence and help and support other people. That's important to me. That's awesome. That's also important to me. (laughs) So, okay. So those are your goals for the podcast. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add as far as what people should mm-hmm. know about you? I Maybe I can just share personally that doing this podcast is really a huge part of my journey and personal development in that it, it does put me outside of my comfort zone. I struggle a bit with <laughs> um, not wanting to be the person in the limelight, right? Like, that mm, I have mm-hmm. discomfort with that in some areas of my life. So to put my voice out there in the world is both terrifying and also really, really exciting, right? Like I, I know I have really helpful things to be able to share. And I know that I have people's stories that can inspire and uplift and help. Mm-hmm. And I have to grow within myself to be able to be in front of people, so to speak, in order to do that. And, you know, our, our podcast is called Your Courageous Journey. And that's because you and I, as we've talked about this podcast and what we want it to be, we recognize that every person has that inner courage of facing those things that are sometimes hard and continuing to move forward. And we want to be able to kind of shine a light on that courage so that people can see the courage that they have within themselves that they don't always recognize. Because we all have courage. And sometimes we have to use it every day. Sometimes just to get out of bed. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Sometimes getting out of bed is like the hugest (laughs) achievement. And But sometimes it's a really big thing, right? Sometimes it's small, like getting out of bed. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's a really, really big thing, like making those tough choices. Like I remember having to take my kids in to get shots. Oh, my gosh. That's the mm-hmm. worst, right? Like having your kids screaming and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to hold you down so someone can hurt you. <laughs> so that they will help. So mm-hmm. it will help you later on. But I can't explain it to you because you're an infant, right? Like we we have to call upon courage in moments of sadness, in moments of terror, in moments of exhaustion. You know, we have all 
We all experience these universal human emotions. But sometimes we're so focused on that emotion and that feeling that we have that we don't see the beauty of of our own inner light and our own inner courage that we have. And I want to shine mm-hmm. the spotlight on that. I want to highlight that. <laughs> I want yeah. to help people to see their own inner light. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Because I think once people start to realize that they have that, it's much easier to use that, yes. I guess, as a tool. I know. It's already there. It's already there, sometimes but sometimes people don't yeah, access it. It's the yeah. finding that it's there. Yeah. I love right, that. exactly. Well, I've already known most of these things about you, but it's been really <laughs> lovely interviewing you and getting you out of your comfort zone. Well, thank you. You did great. <laughs> I'm proud of you. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So on a scale of one to 10, how hard wow. was that? After, like, as, like in the aftermath? Back? Uh, do, yeah. Am I rating just from when we started recording thing. or are we rating from like what my mind has been thinking all day? <laughs> like, no. Oh, right now. Now, now, that, that, now we're that we're wrapping, wrapping up, it up. I guess it's not that bad. I would say maybe a four out of ten. Oh, that's so bad. OK. All right. So now here's the question. Oh How did you feel this morning? <laughs> oh, I was pro- like. I would probably say eight out of 10. Like I knew I was going to do it, but I really, my body and my brain were were like, "Mm -hmm, this is not a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. I know that feeling so well. But I knew, I knew what my brain (laughs) and my body were doing. And I just said, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be scared. Right. It's okay. you did it. When you do something new, your brain's going to be like, ah, I don't think Mm -hmm. that's a good idea. You might die. (laughs) You might die. You That's might what your die when you do new stuff, and so you, so yeah. I just had to talk to it, my yeah. brain, and say, "You're not gonna die. I'm not gonna you die. Might be really uncomfortable, but you're <laughs> not gonna die. <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Yeah. So I'm not dead, and I'm done. It's at the, I made it. You made it. Congratulations. <laughs> and I won't okay. be as nervous. I really, what? really enjoy talking to people. I love hearing their stories. I love interviewing people. So the good news is. I won't be this nervous again for hopefully a while. Because I won't be interviewing you probably for a while. I I say that now. I will say that now. But listeners, I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) Because real life happens too. (laughs) True. Okay. Well, this is where we will sign off. It's been really fun so far. And we look forward to many, many, many more episodes. Getting to know yes. a lot of you. I'm glad that we were able to share a little bit more about ourselves and just kind of what makes us tick. And I'm looking forward to getting to know many more people even better. Excellent. Bye, everybody. 